Welcome to the Project Horse Podcast. We're making advanced horsemanship accessible, sharing down-to-earth training advice and practical exercises with horsemen dedicated to accomplishing their goals. Whether you're hitting the trails for fun, training a project horse at home, or refining maneuvers for reining or cowhorse competition, we'll help you take your horsemanship to the next level. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Project Horse Podcast. My name is Jake Lundahl, joined here with my brother Luke, and today on part two of our four-part series detailing the training and development of several two-year-olds that we've had in training since the end of 2018, we're going to be talking about a filly named Denali. Denali came to us in mid-September of last year as a two-year-old that, while she had shown potential and improvement in some areas, she had definitely fallen behind in others, and, and she presented some some unique problems, I guess, that the other horses did not have going on, but that are not unique to the wider context of two-year-old training. There's a lot of horses out there like this in the industry that whether it's that they get off to a rough and shaky start, or they just naturally have a proclivity to certain issues, uh, you know, being fractious, things like rearing up, stuff like that, and they just don't have the methodical program and the guidance right off to counter those things, and they they are just allowed to get out of, out of control, whatever the cause may be, there's a lot of cults like that out there. And the big question is, how do we deal with something like that? A lot of people simply don't have the patience. A lot of times these horses end up, because certain people don't have the patience, they end up with people who are even less capable of understanding what these problems are and how to solve them. And so hopefully as Luke goes into some of the things we did to turn this ship around and try to bring this filly back more in line with where she should be, or at least as, as good as we could do, there's going to be some insights in here that if someone listening has been faced with a similar situation or can relate to a horse like this, that you can take some of this guidance and some of these ideas to heart and apply them with your own horses. So just to start with, Luke, since you obviously handled the training of this horse, from day one, I just want you to provide some context of when this horse came in compared to, I would say, the rough industry standard for where a two-year-old reigning horse should be at that stage of the game, where she was at in relation to that. So Denali is a Shiner's Voodoo Doctor filly, a uh, very, very pretty filly. Uh, when she came in, she was, of the, the three horses that came in together as a group, she was the, the weakest link of the three. So we're starting off with her and then we're just going to kind of progress up the ladder from there. Now, the three horses that, that came in in that group, they all had some some problems that they shared across the board, which were just being a bit a bit fractious in the face about you taking a hold of them, uh, not wanting to handle pressure, not really knowing what your legs meant. Um, we talked about this last time in the last episode uh, going over Shooter, about how, you know, when you use your legs, legs to him meant go forward. They didn't really mean soften. Um, so just that dealing with that confusion there and just overall, just a lot of stiffness and a rambly behavior just in general, meaning you get on them to start your ride and they're looking around, they're feeling their oats. You go to walk them off and they're, they're power walking around. They're just ready to go. You go to jog them off and they're, they're wanting to get into the lope. They're looking around all the time. You lope, you're loping your circles and the ears are everywhere, but on you, you know, they're just kind of busy, forward minded, hadn't had a lot of getting in their road type of a deal. But Denali had those type of issues, but to much more of an extreme. As when I talk about being kind of fractious in the face, not wanting to handle the pressure, as a general rule, that would more define taking a hold of the horse's face with the reins and say they kind of throw their head up a little bit or that, you know, they kind of bob their head and duck off the bridle or something like that. You know, they, they feel that pressure and they get worried type of a thing. They tense up, get worried. Um, but with her, she was more, she would feel that pressure and then assume that there was a fight. Uh, like th this horse had kind of gotten in a habit of getting into different fights in different areas. 
And again, I can't say that with absolute certainty. All I can do is describe what I'm feeling. And horses that we've had in the past, just through experience, you can kind of tell when the horse makes a mistake and it's done out of fear or it's done, it's done out of like legitimate fear, like both ways, whether it's bracing up for a fight or just being like nervous and fractious, both ways. The horse is, is acting out of fear in that case and not so much disrespect. But in the case of a horse actually preparing for a fight, there's just a different way um, that it feels to the rider. And that's a difficult thing to describe. But from just an experience standpoint, you can tell, okay, well, this horse is just legitimately fearful, meaning that it's just scared and worried about what you're going to do with it versus, okay, this horse is bracing up and preparing itself for a fight. And that's kind of where this particular mare was. Getting on the mare and, you know, even at a walk, just trying to stay soft from the horse's rib cage in a circle, just bending their her head around, trying to get her to walk a circle and just, just soften that rib cage just a little bit. And immediately she would bend she would go around like say maybe two circles. And you would press her a little bit for a little bit more softness. Cause I mean, from the beginning, you know, bending this mare around, even just say bending her head at the standstill was like trying to bend a two by four. You know, there wasn't got much there. She'd never been pulled around laterally. Right. So going from the standstill then to the walk was a big, big deal. And in trying, in just in challenging her, putting her in that bind. She was at a place mentally from being used to kind of fighting and being fought through so much that her threshold for pressure was so, so low. So going more than two circles bending and she was ready to throw down and try to escape the situation because she had never really been taught from a young age. And that's why, you know, a two-year-old program, a solid cult starting program is so crucial because you're laying the foundation for how this horse is going to think for the rest of their career you know, or the rest of their life, depending on what they're going to do. And from day one, she had never had any concept of think your way out of a bind. It was always, well, once it gets uncomfortable and I'm not finding the right answer, trainer's going to bear down and get it done and get after me and force me to find the right answer. And so through repetition, she's like, well, screw this. I'm all right. You want to fight? I'll give you a fight. And that's never a good that's never a good place to be, you know, as a trainer. You never, you know, you end up with a horse like that. We've got problems, right? So that's kind of where we were. Her threshold for pressure was so low because she would audible to, oh, I'm in an uncomfortable situation. I'm in a bind. So time to fight. The gloves come on immediately, you know. So say walking two circles in the bend and boom, out come the gloves, you know. A good example was, the first couple days that once they got there off transport, you know, the first day, um, the day that they arrive, you know, they just get brought into the stall, bedded down, shown where the water, food is, all that stuff. Day two, get them out and just get, kind of get their legs back under them, just doing a little bit of exercising, basically, just on a lunge line. Day three, now we go ahead and we slowly integrate them into the program, get them back to work. So day three, Basically, the first ride for us in that sense, and a typical way that we go about that is, okay, get them out in the arena, and let's just find out what we've got. Just test the waters, see what we've got, right? So we get out there, and right away, it's very evident that this horse is very stiff, very green. Obviously, she's had some training. Some of the maneuvers were were there. It was kind of obvious that she had an idea of what different things meant. But everything was very rough and she was, you know, had trouble getting out of her own way and yada, yada. But again, not much goes on first day of the riding. You're just kind of feeling things out, seeing what you have to work with. Same with day two. You're like, okay, I have a baseline for what I felt, where the source is at. I know where they're at in the program, where I need to begin my program. You don't just jump in the water and say, all right, now you're going to be on this day in my program. Let's get going. You have to find out what you've got to work with where you need to start. Each horse is an individual. So three come in, they were all started at the same time, but that doesn't mean really anything. All right. So you feel or feel around for what you've got. Then second, the second day, basically the, the fourth day that they're there, 
we start adding a little bit more. Now, you know, first day I may just walk them around and then do a little bit of the jog and soften them up and feel them out a little bit. Then the fourth day now, second ride, now we can go into the lope. And it was that that second ride is where I first kind of got wind of some issues, some underlying issues. Because day one, at that point, it's not like they really know what has hit them at that point. They're not kind of in the mind frame. So much had changed radically. They're in a new location, new horses, new rider, all that stuff. There was too much to process. So the monster, so to speak, didn't really come out. And we weren't really challenging her that first ride. Second ride, though, now we get into some loping, just do some simple rollbacks. Now we start to find there's this little piece of resistance when we try to draw the horse into the fence. She gets really, really stiff and bracy and just kind of gets stuck on that fence. And you really have to wait for her to just relax and then come through the turn and then lope off. So already there's a bit of a, a red flag there. Like, okay, something's amiss here. You know, the fact that we're having this, this problem in this rollback, drawing her into the fence, the moment she'd get up to the fence, you know, she'd throw her head up over the fence and then just lock up and just pause there and just kind of basically just soul up. And then you, you just slowly wait that out and you just maintain some pressure, not going overboard, kicking and jerking, but just holding the rein, bumping with the outside leg, waiting, 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 and then come bring her through. All right. So that was like, ah, okay. You know, there, there's something going on here. And again, when these horses first come in, especially at this point when they had about nine months of riding, you can't just take them in and just all of a sudden overhaul their program in one night. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt, and you have to almost come and meet them on their own terms. All right, You don't just go in and get a horse from the outside and say, all right, everything you learned, I'm scrapping it all or changing everything right now, because they're just going to have a massive emotional meltdown on the horse's part. You have to say, all right, let me find out where you're at, and we'll go a couple days of kind of kind of playing in your realm, but I'm going to slowly start shifting you into my way of thinking, into my world. And then after, say, about a good week or so on the horses, then you're like, all right, I've been sh I've been making the shift, so it's not going to come as such a shocker now when we fully integrate into our program. And the longer a horse is had in training a certain way, the longer you have to have that little integration period, so to speak. So that first week, after those, you know, just first couple days, taking it easy, a lot of general suppling at the jog. Again, not taking a whole lot of bend because there wasn't much that she would offer. She was really stiff, hadn't had a lot of lateral. Uh, loping exercises were very, very simple. So then after about three, four days, we start actually getting into saying, okay, now that we've established a baseline for a riding, what can we do as far as maneuvers? Okay, because, you know, we need to see, all right, you've had nine months of training. What can we do maneuvers-wise? So we check out our spins, check out our circles, check out our stops. Everything there, There's she obviously has had practice in the maneuvers. The maneuvers are there. The horse can stop. The horse can spin to a degree. You know, if she had, again, stopping programs vary a lot. The way the smear in particular was stopped required a lot of rain. You really had to draw on this horse in order to get her to stop. You kind of had to hold on to the reins. Because she was kind of wise to it. So the moment you get her kind of straight for a rundown to approach a stop, she'd kind of already be way ahead of you and kind of half running off. The horse was very, very forward in the circles. The moment she felt any slack in the reins, she was immediately starting to build speed to start running off, you know? So just very much, yeah, there were maneuvers there, but it was kind of like controlled chaos, so to speak. But everything was pretty just hunky dory there for about the first week. Because it was just that feeler out, just see what we have to work with. Not a whole lot of pressure is being applied at this point. It's more I need to find out where everything is at. Once that was accomplished, now it was time to start actually getting in and getting this thing broke the way it needed to be and starting to refine these maneuvers and get her paying attention, get her with the program, start getting something done. And that was where the monster really, really came out. So... In going back to some rollbacks again on a Monday after having a, a day off, going back just to do some simple rollbacks and start taking her into those rollbacks and just suppling her up out of the rollback, that was where the we kind of had met our max, so to speak, of pressure she was willing to handle. We come out of the rollback, and instead of just kind of letting her take her time and lope off, once she came through the turn, immediately going and bending her around. We were putting her in a bind now that she was not comfortable with being put in. 
And so then right away, oh boy, did the demon, the demon come out, so to speak, in this horse as far as her reacting to pressure and expecting a fight. Just that little added element of the exercise, adding just bending around out of that rollback was enough. The rollback itself was a lot of pressure and her just soling up like that was like the wheels turning. Do I fight? Do I fight? Eh, I'll throw you a bone. I'll go through. The added bend was like, okay. You've crossed the line. This is too much. I'm not, I'm not doing this. And so then, oh boy. So now we start pulling on her face, drawing her into the, into the fence. And now she's rearing up. You go to use your legs and drive her forward. And now she's silling up and won't move and threatening to rear and just kind of like turning in a tight circle and hopping around, threatening to rear. You drive her forward. You have over and under with the reins just to get her going again because she's silling up so much off your leg. And then, when she goes forward, she leaps forward, jumping through the air as you try to to get her back to the lope again. And as you try to steer her back onto your circle, now she's jumping through the air, soling up again. The moment she feels that rain pressure, stopping and trying to rear up again, just soling up, just being very, very sorry. And just basically, she's just trying to escape what she assumes was going to be a big fight. Now that I've changed the elements and added a lot more pressure and raised the expectations, she immediately audible to, I knew it. This is going to be a fight. And so she started to get really, really defensive by threatening to rear or actually rearing up, uh, spinning around, trying to run off, um, you know, just soling up and then just standing there, throwing her head up and down and threatening to rear and just absolutely just soling up and just trying to either just take whatever fight was coming or try to just outright leave the situation and run away from the fight as in leaping through the air and galloping off, okay, and just absolutely running off. So in that situation, when it hit the fan, so to speak, there are a couple different ways to go about it. You could say you could either basically cowboy up and ride through it or get it done in another way, as in get off, get on the ground, and get it done, right? Find a win under saddle when they're in that, that meltdown mode. Find a win get out of it, get her moving again, get her to like soften once and then get back to the ground and address it there. And so there's the two ways to go about it. So which way is the correct way? Well, as a general rule, I would recommend you get it done under saddle. That's going to be the most effective is to ride through it under saddle. But there's a huge but in that, which is there are certain times, certain issues where Going about it under saddle is just going to cause more of a fight and lead to more danger for you as the rider. You know, and, and I don't, I don't care what, uh, Hillbilly Jim has to say about Pawpaw just cowboying up and riding through it. Hillbilly Jim had no idea what real horsemanship is or how to ride, how to read a situation and how to not get himself killed and just happened to be lucky to never really run across a horse that was good at giving you a fight that they were expecting to have, okay? So in this situation, this horse, upon that happening, you know, we're in the middle now of, of this big throwdown. It was, it was very obvious that, okay, this horse is expecting a fight, and it's very good at giving you a fight, okay? So the reactions that she gives, a horse doesn't just do that. They don't just get confused and worried and immediately start rearing and leaping through the air. That's something that through a lot of pressure and not enough feel, you know, there's, there's, that's a bad combo for you. A lot of pressure, a little bit of feel, a lot, not much good timing and a crap ton of pressure trying to drive and force something to happen without much feel and timing. And a horse that just absolutely has nowhere else to go. Now they're going to look forward and jumping through the air. So in that situation, it was pretty obvious just through feeling the situation, riding other horses that have had problems like that. That we're in a no-win situation under saddle. We're trying to put the pressure on this horse under saddle is just going to provoke a fight that the chances of me winning continue to get slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And the chance of something stupid happen, like her rearing up and losing her balance and falling down, are getting higher and higher and higher. So in that situation, I just tried to maintain as much leverage as I could, just drawing the reins out to the side and just kind of tipping her nose as best I could. And just slowly kind of wading her out, maintaining a little bit of pressure with my leg, having to use one of my reins as kind of a spanker to keep a little bit of pressure going over under until she finally quit jumping around 
and just followed her nose and just kind of walked a circle with a little bit of bend. That was what I was looking for initially out of that rollback, right? So once that happened there, and I was able to just get her to walk a circle, quiet down for a second, think about what she was doing, and then soften, boom, okay. She threw me a bone with a little bit of a win. But if I go right to loping her off again, we've pushed her kind of over that threshold. She's just going to immediately fight again, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse the tired, the more tired that she gets as we do this. So we went ahead, hopped off her, went and grabbed a lead rope, and I clipped it to the bridle so that I could go ahead and lunge her with the bridle on. And since I was bending this horse to the left at the time that it happened, I went ahead and began to lunge her to the left so that I could kind of pull and release on that bit and drive her around with with my training stick and get her it's a little bit of forward motion going in a way that was a little more controlled. And so the moment I did that, the same problem happened. She sold up, started kicking out as I tried to drive her forward. You know, I had to spank her on the top of the tail. She'd be kicking out. She would try to turn the other way and run off and drag me around, sole up and then just stand there and take it. And, and it was, it was just a complete, absolute meltdown on on this horse's part as far as handling pressure right so i just maintained it maintained it and maintained the angle if she tried to turn and run off the other way um and that was that was a a popular tactic of her especially under saddle was especially to the right was to just turn duck off and and run off the opposite direction that was kind of a a favorite thing of hers to do to because she was expecting a fight, so it was just turn and run and escape the situation. And it's all fear-based. It's not really, it's not disrespectful-based in, in this situation where she's that defensive. So getting off, clipping the lead rope to the bit so that she can feel that pressure of the bit in her mouth, and I can drive her around with my stick, basically just lunge her around and get the feet broken loose and get her moving. And it was about, I would say, a 15 to 20 minute ordeal of uh, having to stay with her, stay with her. She'd she'd basically jog off a few steps and I'd release all the pressure. And then she'd stop or she'd try to turn and, go and, and head the opposite direction. I have to point, apply some pressure. She'd sole up or kick out or whatever and I'd have to keep pressure, 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 pressure until she'd finally throw me a bone and even walk a few steps. That was how low my bar was at that situation. Start to retrain her to say, hey, you can win this situation. I don't, I don't, you don't have to, I don't have to, to constantly be fighting with you just to get some steps out of you. You just walk for me and I'll act like you win the lottery. So after getting her through that huge mental hump, there was like this, we talk about in previous, in other podcasts about like, you know, retraining a horse to get them mentally supple and malleable and breaking down those walls of resistance. Not only were those walls of resistance still there, but over time she had like built up other walls of her own, right? So it was like we had to get over this huge wall right away to start the session. And we're, we got over it just on the ground. And so after getting her moved out there on the ground, lunging her around, then I went and unclipped the lead rope and using split reins. So I went ahead and tied her around to her hawk. Okay, and this is something that we talked about in a previous podcast. We talked about checking around, checking back, checking down, all of that stuff. So I checked her around to a hawk, then I flagged her around, moving her first, just making some noise and kind of scaring her because she wasn't very, very quiet. She was very jumpy, nervous anyway, so it was very easy just to, like, make some noise, slap my leg, get her to move around. And so the moment that she'd get scared, what'd she do? She tried to throw her head up, um, and she tried to, you know, to run off. But the the rein is run through the stirrup to her back leg, tied just above the cap of her hawk. Her head is bent just past 90. So the leverage is already there. And she's basically just pulling on herself. So when she would try to throw her head up or rear, she would just, she would step with her hind leg and pull herself off balance so she was not able to rear. So she was like in a controlled bind to where if I almost flooded her with pressure in that sense, she can't go anywhere but around in a circle. Every time she tries to go up, her back leg would just pull her off balance and she'd just run around in a tight circle. So then from there, I just flagged her around both directions. You know, I would, I would move her around about 15 minutes one way, first desensitizing her with my body language, 
then getting my stick over there and just kind of having it just run it all over her body as she kind of would spin around. Then when she was quiet with both of those, then I would get the uh, stick with a bag on it and just whack the ground, and she was really reactive to that. And I waited until she would just ignore that. Then I got to the point where I could actually move her, clucking and then using my stick if she wasn't jumping her front end away or yielding her hindquarters away in a circle, and then using the bag to then stop her off of that pressure. And I did that program for about a week straight. I would do it one way, then let her soak for 20 minutes to her hawk, and then come back in the arena, untie her, make sure she softened, then go the other way to do the same thing. And uh, along with that, and just doing normal groundwork, just going back to the basics, teaching this mare how to lunge, teaching her when I point, you need to get moving, just showing her basically on the ground that when I apply pressure, you need to look for a way out of it instead of trying to find a, a fight to escape the pressure. We basically had to just kind of restart everything, rebuild from the ground up. Yeah, I think it's really crucial to point out what you just mentioned, that when you did check her around to her hawk, you didn't immediately start flagging her around with a whole ton of energy and being really aggressive as a punishment. You first started off just, you know, using a little bit of energy in your body, just body language to create a little energy in her feet and get her moving. And then when that didn't work anymore and she got desensitized, you you went to the next stage and and then the next, you just stepped it up gradually instead of just flooding her and making the situation worse. And I want to point out again, I think it was back in episode 17 or, or somewhere thereabouts in the podcast that we did an entire special episode on the different ways that we'll check a horse back, check them down, and check them around. And checking a horse around to their tail or to their hawk is something that's done in our colt starting program as one of the initial preparations for riding under saddle. This is a very basic concept. This is not a punishment This is normal, basic stuff that teaches a colt at a young age of how to accept being put in a bind and think their way through the situation and understand that the answer is to stay soft and relaxed and simply keep their feet unlocked rather than sulling up and resisting and looking for a fight right there. But in this situation where you have a horse that's totally committed to wanting to go that route, it's important to take that step back and reintroduce these ideas or I guess just introduce them to begin with if they hadn't been taught previously. So going back, I I really want to call attention to this because as you alluded to before, a lot of guys would would not see the value and and we've talked to a lot of people that that have no respect whatsoever for either the value of groundwork just as a concept to teach mental softness, let alone just basic respect and manners in a horse. And we know a lot of people that have zero respect for anything to do with checking a horse around, tying them around in any way, things of that nature. And I want to point out that as much flack as people get for doing those things, there's a reason why they're such a staple in many programs, including ours. When done the right way, they are an effective, safe alternative to fighting your way through these types of issues under saddle and risking your neck. Yeah, and even more so, and this horse made this glaringly obvious, not only is it an effective means to problem solve in a, again, it's not the first go-to, but if you have a situation like this where the problem is bad enough, it is the best option to go to. But it is also the first means of which you have to expose a horse to pressure before you actually get on their back. And that's the whole point of groundwork. And this horse was a case study in what happens when that's not done. Just lunging this horse and having her soul up and kick out if I spanked her on the top of the tail, trying to turn the opposite way and run off, all that stuff. um, That all should have been sorted out before this horse even had a saddle on its back. And so the fact that it was that much of a mental breakdown was this horse's way, really, of kind of ratting out the fact that it had no real foundation to start with. Groundwork is not just there to padunkadunk around and avoid having to get on the horse's back. You know, it's not trying to put off riding till another day when I have a little more courage. The whole point of of groundwork is to apply pressure to your horse, put them in a mental and physical bind, 
and apply pressure to them so that they start to learn, oh, if I think my way out of pressure, I get that release of pressure and then I can relax. You're desensitizing is when I there's pressure. I can just read the situation. Oh, they're using passive body language. Okay, I can just stand here and fall asleep. There's an actual point to it in retraining the horse mentally to then prepare them for the pressure that they're going to experience under saddle. And this horse had none of that. So going back to the ground, just in lunging this horse, we came across massive roadblocks that we pushed through. And after about a week of that solid program, like I didn't even bother riding the horse. What's the point? You're just provoking another fight. Instead, we did two-a-day groundwork sessions for about a week, tying her to her hawk, starting starting the, the day with just normal groundwork, just your regular backing and lunging and, yield, and moving the hindquarters, moving the forequarters, all that stuff. Just running through the program, getting her really, really soft, just, just flexing with the halter, um, and then tying to her hawk both ways. And we do that twice a day, every day. And just being very, very disciplined about putting pressure on her, maintaining that pressure if she had an overreaction. The moment she found the right answer, you know, making her feel like she won the lottery. Did that for a whole week. That was all her program. And, and in the beginning, she was not happy about that. Just finding a circle at the jog, um, it was hard. That's what I'm getting at. It wasn't easy for the source to find. So she really, really struggled with that in the beginning. And so it was just a matter of pushing through those walls of resistance that she had built up. And every time that she would go to tense up, put the gloves on and get ready for a fight, just on the ground, mind you, I would just basically the program was to be putting pressure on her on the ground. So because I deemed just through feel and experience that under saddle, it wasn't really a fight that was worth pursuing. You know, I was too much in her home court. Okay. So I brought it to my home court in a way, you know, into a more controlled environment. So the program was put pressure on her every day. And when the boxing gloves come out, when she gets ready for a fight, she feels, oh, pressure. I know what to do. I need to fight. When the boxing gloves come on, I just bob and weave. I just get on the bicycle and bob and weave, bob and weave, right? And she starts throwing punches and is just swinging air. And pretty soon, that gets pretty hard, just punching air, never making contact. And she starts to say, man, this whole fighting thing, that's not getting me anywhere. This is just exhausting. What's another alternative? And she'll start looking for an alternative herself. And then she's like, hmm, maybe if I try just giving to this pressure, and the moment that she tries just a little bit, like she's not even going to say, well, I'm not, I'll just commit to it this one time. She's going to say, well, I'll just stick my toe in the water just a little bit. I'm not going to really commit to it, but you know, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a taste. And the moment she just so much as tastes, boom, it's like you won the lottery. All is forgiven. You're the greatest horse in the world. And that was pretty much the program, the outlook for everything, all for tying her, flagging around to her hawk, which I would say was, the most valuable exercise for this horse. Now, after teaching her to, to soften to the bridle, just on the ground, just pulling the rein up to the saddle, having her soften around to the stirrup at the standstill, that's like the bare minimum requirement for doing this. Aside, you know, lunging, backing her, moving her four quarters, all that stuff was good, but it didn't hold a candle to tying her around to her hawk and flagging her around. That was the exercise that really was the um the cure all elixir so to speak for this particular horse. It puts her in a bind, you know, she's got the saddle on, she's got the bridle on, she's being pulled around by the rein. As she moves, her her leg moves, it kind of has a pull and release effect on the rein. She feels that in her mouth. It really equates to me pulling on the rein, and she's in a bind, her head has already been around, so she really it's kind of a safe controlled bind because she really can't get the leverage to say rear up, fall over or something like that. And as long as you have your, your wits about you and your head on your shoulders, you can really, really utilize that exercise to put some pressure on a horse, you know, even just making noise and just slapping a leg. Like with her, that was a ton of pressure. That was absolute extreme, life-threatening, high level of pressure in the beginning. So it allowed me to slowly tease on that pressure and put more and more on all the time in a controlled environment where she really can't do anything 
but start to realize, man, you know, trying to trying to rear up and getting pulled around and then just running a circle, this is getting hard. You know, I'm I'm running out of air. This is I'm getting dizzy. What what do I need to do to find my way out of the situation? So that was the most valuable exercise for this. Not just going out and making a horse lunge circles or run and tip around. You know, none, that's not going to really get you anywhere. Those are important exercises for sure, but there has to be something more than that. You can't just go and do that and say, all right, well, now I'm prepared. There's a reason why we tie a horse to their hawk, to their tail in the beginning. There's, a, there's Especially with our colts, there's a reason for that. So getting back to the the goal was just to then expose her to that pressure, dodge the fight. The moment she tried, boom, you win. And it was just that on repeat. Two sessions a day and that on repeat. Didn't even bother to ride. That was the last thing in my mind. We did that for a straight week. Why a week? So that it became a habit. It's not just going to go one day and have this huge throwdown, and then the next day act like all is forgiven and go ride again. That would be, you know, I've seen that I um, go to different barns, and I remember this one in particular, this paint horse. It was having kind of the similar issue, just being lunged around, but they had it tied up. Um, it was basically checked back like we talk about, like we would do in the round pin, but they were doing it on the lunge line. So it's a little more difficult for the horse. Well, this thing was leaping through the air, jumping around, just having a heck of a time. And so it was like a 30 minute fight. And then, oh, it's Saturday. So we got to give the next day off. So I had Sunday off. Oh, and then something came up. So it did. So it just got put on the walker on Monday. Tuesday rolls around. This thing absolutely throws down on Tuesday because it's had two days off. You know, Sunday, it was like, what the hell just happened out there today? And then Tuesday roll or Monday rolls around and nothing happens. Like, hmm, I, I, I look at that. I, I, I survived that situation. I fought my way out of it and I'm better off for it. That must be the answer. So Tuesday comes around and it's committed now. It's like, okay, I know the answer. I survived that situation by fighting. And uh, so I'm just going to have to fight this time again. Oh, it's, it's still persisting. Well, I I learned from past experiences, history proves I just need to fight my way out of it. So maybe I need to fight a little harder. So Tuesday was a really, really rough day, I remember. Um, and Wednesday and Thursday as well. And then, of course, you know, they had a um, something came up. So it had like a three-day weekend. And so it was just this never-ending cycle of this, both undersaddled on the ground, because there was no consistency. And again, the way it was going after it as well, it was kind of a fight the whole way around. There was no real trying to have it find a way out of it and, th- and slow things down and think about it. But we did a whole week of just that to really establish this is your new life and to really ingrain in the horse's mind what the whole point of this is. Why are the releases coming when they're, when they are coming? Like I want this horse to be firmly, to firmly understand the difference between now and then type of a thing and giving it a whole week. It was undeniable by the end of that week that, okay, this horse has now processed the difference between before and now and what I'm looking for and that fights have not been winning now for a whole week. Just getting ready for a fight is not won because A, I haven't given the horse a single fight and B, it hasn't won a single fight that it's tried. It's just, it's basically just punched at thin air and then it's finally submitted and then it wins. So we've had a whole week of just constantly proving and proving and proving and proving. So after a week, I went ahead and got back on and picked up basically where we left off. We started just at the standstill, softening the horse left and right, and then going into it at the jog, breaking them down, bending them around, going into our rollbacks. And it was almost night and day. In the rollbacks, the horse half-heartedly tried one time as I drew her to the left. She felt that pressure, kind of had that little bit of a mental flashback, half thought about it, kind of grabbed the bit, thought about going sideways, two strides, then came round. And that was it. And then since then, probably in the, for the next, you know, four weeks after that, maybe she tried it three more times total. And that was, but it was always half-heartedly. It was like that little um, bad memory surfaced, and then she came round. Bad memory surfaced, came round. And then it was put to bed. And again, a lot of things still persisted of their just normal brokenness issues, suppling, softness, all that stuff. That's all still there. But the main hurdle that's going to make the rest of it get a lot better or easier to work with was gone, which was this huge block of mental resistance and this habit of looking to fight through everything. 
You know, the reason I bring that up is it this horse really highlighted um because we had a question that kind of revolved around this as well that we answered a while back, which is the groundwork isn't there just to go out and do groundwork so you don't have to ride or to get your horse tired so that you can ride. The groundwork is important so that you can put pressure on your horse in a controlled environment for you as the handler. So they have, the horse has learned, has a learned habit now of feeling pressure and then relaxing and finding the the correct answer, thinking their way through the situation. You're creating a mental pattern by, if you utilize your groundwork correctly and apply a sufficient amount of pressure, you're not just going out there just to have fun and frolic in the pasture. You got to go out there with a purpose to get something done, put pressure on your horse and challenge them just even on the ground. It seems like a waste of time, but you are setting them up mentally. You're shaping their process of thinking, so to speak, for when you get in the saddle and you start putting more pressure on them because you're never going to be able to set the horse up for on the ground the pressure that they will experience under saddle, but you darn sure can uh, prepare them. So she was a great case study in that. And in the, when we step back to a more controlled situation, got through that massive mental barrier. Because none of that was really, even though the horse was extremely stiff and all of that, that wasn't the real problem. Like, those problems were still there after that was fit. It was the, the mental side of it, the getting ready for a fight, expecting a fight. And once that was cleared up, yeah, there's still the, you know, the maneuvers that need cleaned up. And there's still all this stiffness and stuff we got to work out of her. but the mental roadblock that was hindering all that wouldn't even let me get to that was gone. And so we had to take a step back and basically spend a week just fixing the whole mental makeup. And, you know, it'd be like getting a teenager that's just been sitting on the couch, eating Cheetos and watching TV. You're not just going to go and get them a job and life's going to be, you know, just wonderful. You, they, you have to completely change their way of thinking now get them to realize that they have to be a responsible adult and there is a reason that they need to go out there and put in their best effort so they don't get fired so that they can make money because otherwise they're going to be out on the street now you know the xbox doesn't doesn't uh charge itself like somebody's got to pay the electric bill here so we had to take this horse and reshape the the her way of her pattern of thinking now we can actually get something done now under saddle and from there Again, the process was slow, rebuilding things, especially in the softness, but getting her to handle my legs, to pay attention, to stay with me, not want to run off, you know, as in when I turn loose the reins, constantly speeding up, stuff like that. That's all still there that has to be worked on, but there was no point in going after maneuvers when the whole mental makeup is is not even there, you know, and and a big lesson in that as well is people, they'll get a horse in and they say, well, it's a raining horse. We've got to go do maneuvers. No time to worry about any of this other stuff. We got to do maneuvers, maneuvers, maneuvers. So they get in this horse and all these problems. And so they fight it through under saddle. And in trying to win that fight, you have to take the fight to another level. So it just becomes a circle of constant fighting. And yeah, you can beat the horse down and get them to submit to you in that moment, but you never defeated that demon that was there. And it's going to be constantly resurfacing all the time and so now this horse you know gets to a point where it's the fraternity is looming and we're still jumping and leaping through the air and having all these problems and then the horse ends up you know either being a reject or getting dumped or sent down the line somewhere else whatever because they didn't want to waste quote unquote just a week of fixing the situation fixing the underlying problem fix the mental, let's get the horse mentally malleable first so it's even going to be receptive to the training that needs to be done. So it may look like on paper you lost a week. Actually, you gained yourself several months of training, so to speak, by fixing the mental side of it. Yeah, I just want to say one more thing in closing that goes along with our overall thesis that we've had from the beginning, which is a focus on mental softness, creating good mental patterns, especially in young horses. We see this on the internet a lot, more than anywhere else, where there's a lot of people out there that they're kind of tangentially interested in the show horse realm, but they're not really committed, and and they have a lot of negative judgment and ideology on the idea of training young horses, training late yearlings and two-year-olds to be performance horses, and the question might come up from some people that, 
you know, are, are not f- really familiar with what we do is, well, why, why even go through this to begin with? Why put so much pressure on a young horse? Why put him in such a bind, et cetera, et cetera? And my response to them is, look at the alternative. You know, I can, I can name a dozen situations where I've watched trainers and, and in some cases, mentors that I respected having to literally go back to doing things that we just discussed with this horse with their three-year-olds because they've been putting off these issues and just kind of fairy dancing around these deeply embedded mental barriers in the horse for two years, ever since that thing was a yearling. And they've never really addressed these issues. And now they're having to ride the heck out of these horses. You know, those horses spend the first two years of their life on welfare, basically, putting in minimal effort, and they learn all kinds of bad habits, and then their three-year-old year is hell on earth. I've seen a lot of horses that had a lot of potential go down the tubes in their three-year-old year after they seemingly were going to be superstars a year prior because it was all fake. They hadn't actually had the preparation that they needed to succeed. They hadn't been taught good mental habits. They didn't know how to handle pressure. We'd been ignoring these issues building under the surface. The horse really wasn't getting soft. And the moment you really start trying to pour the colt to him in their three-year-old year to get something done, these issues that we've been covering over explode out of proportion. And now we can't ignore them. And now we're getting to a point, well, it's either one of three things. Either it's going to be absolute hell on earth for several months until this thing finally submits and comes around, and that happens rarely. Or we're just going to dump this horse. It's going to, you know, go in one of the groups that gets cut eventually and gets dumped and sold off to somebody else. And it's their problem to deal with. Or I've seen a lot of horses that they're under such an amount of physical strain now because they're getting rode three times a day. You're now working them harder than ever. And now you're really susceptible to injuries, bowed tendons, you know, stifle injuries, things of that nature, because you're putting an extreme amount of stress on that horse to compensate for the lack of work and and foundation establishment that you did previously. And so I consider exposing a younger horse to these concepts and giving them a roadmap, basically showing them how to win the game, how to succeed, how to relax and think your way through a bind and accept pressure. I consider establishing those habits crucial to their success and well-being as a three-year-old and beyond. I would rather get those things knocked out of the way and put to bed and established and ingrained in a young horse's mind than have to go back when it's way harder and we're risking injury and it's a lot more taxing on the horse and me and it's more time-consuming. Everything's worse if you put it off until later. So I wanted to make that point. So if you're a newer listener, I would invite you to go back deeper into the feed and check out the special episode that we did on checking a horse back. But it's not just that. We, we talked about checking them around in various ways, around and down, things that we do in the round pin and after our rides to supplement our riding or in some cases fix problems as we alluded to in this episode. So getting back to where Denali is now, obviously a lot of the stuff that we just talked about in this episode occurred within the first few weeks to month, month and a half of her training ever since she arrived in mid-September. So we've had since then until now, basically, to work on her. And as Luke said, a lot of these major fundamental issues have been dealt with, got dealt with early on. And we're now in a consistent phase of building her confidence and, and obviously continuing to build on and expand the maneuver set that she has and just keep getting her better broke by increments every single day. Kind of like we talked about with Shooter, how the amount of improvement you're making day by day goes down as you further refine. Right. So we kind of addressed that mental issue. Then there was about a month to six weeks or so of really kind of restructuring her program, getting her broke and teaching her all the the lateral softness and whatnot. And then from there, then we shifted again, slowly shifted into that maneuver phase. And we're at a point now where where we touch a little bit on on the brokenness side of things, the the softness stuff here and there, just because she is naturally a little bit heavier type of a horse. But we're predominantly now, the focus is on the maneuvers. We've gotten to a point where the brokenness side of it isn't really a factor in how the maneuvers are performed. They're no longer hindering the maneuvers. So 
We've gotten now to the circling and the speed control and improving her stops, you know, having her take those more seriously, kind of adjusting it to where she takes just whoa more seriously, not having to pull on her face, um, and just kind of revamping those things. And then, um, once that was accomplished, now just working on building her maneuvers up every day. And now we're, we're just in that consistent grind, so to speak. She's at a point now where, you know, the massive leaps of improvement in maneuvers and in just overall brokenness has slowed down. And now you're just in that long game, chipping away at the maneuvers, tinkering at the spins here and there, tinkering at different elements of the stops, um, you know, and just adjusting things as you go and, and chip away a little bit every session. But overall, I'm really, really happy with the, with the transformation that she made from where, where she was at that point to where she is now. And I'm, I'm very, very happy. Uh, with the finished product, because getting through that mental barrier exposed the real talent that, that she had. I really, I like this mare a lot, and it was more just a sake of kind of her own, her level of brokenness body control wise, but more so just mentally was causing her to really get in her own way with the different maneuvers, you know. So nothing was really impressive when she first showed up here, but getting through that, that hurdle initially really exposed the, the talent that was underneath there. Yeah, I, I, re- I really couldn't be couldn't be happier with where the mare is now. I re- really, really like this filly. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening to part two of our four-part series where we chronicle and delve into the development, training, problems, and solutions we've experienced with four different two-year-old reigning horses that we have in for training. If you're a new listener, be sure to check out our website, lundahlperformance.com, or go to facebook.com slash Horses. You can find out more about us, check out our content, find out more about our Horseman's Academy course and mentoring programs that we're doing right now, as well as our training and performance horse programs. Um, We are taking in some horses for training currently. Obviously, we're booking lessons. Even though we're not out of January yet, our schedule's filling up fast. You can find out more there about our availability and what we offer if interested. Above all, though, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Project Horse Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating to help more horsemen like you find our content. You can also check out the Lundahl Performance Facebook page. There you can message us with any questions or training topics you want covered on the show. You can also learn about our training program, clinics, lessons, and the consulting we do for horse owners across the United States and abroad. Thanks again for listening. 